Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, Seattle. We got a deal. me to be happy even if i lose a bet let's say i put a thousand dollars on a game i lose i'm supposed to be happy the world's not happy Corey. all right suck it up there now i'm angry i go ahead and just read the letters and remember be happy from south bend indiana it's sports yet this is jimmy shorts and now here's your host let's be happy Corey man how was that? Was that happy enough? Let me do it again. From South Bend, Indiana, it's Sports Yak. This is Jimmy Shorts. Thank you, Studio DNA Podcast Network. And here's your host, Corey Mann, and Indiana Broadcast Hall of Famer, Chuck Freebie. And away we go with episode 85 of the Sports Yak. The Ocho Cinco episode. Go on. Chad Johnson, the former Cincinnati Bengals wide receiver who changed his name to Chad Ocho Cinco to honor his uniform number. He's obviously done. Yeah. This is the birthday episode. As on Friday, of course, you and I will be ghosts. Yes. And we get the day off here at the broadcast ranch. There will not be a good Friday episode. Happy birthday, Chuck Freebie. Thank you. I'd like to give you your gift now. And I wrapped it just like a man would. Well, of course you did. In two bags. Yes. There is a cap in here. I can tell by the feel there is a cap, and it's the only one of its kind. I did not make two of those. It is red, and in black outlined letters, it says Sports Yak. Oh, how's it feel? Oh, it feels. Does that feel good? Feels like the first time. Feels like the very first time. <laughs> Happy birthday, brother. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. You can tweet that out to the Yakophiles, the maniacs as they are. Oh, it set me back all right, but you're worth it, Chuck. No, you I wouldn't are go that so far. so worth it. I wouldn't go that the far. The choosing of the font, the stitching, the detail. My goodness. Let me put this back in the... Uh, very important paper. Very important paper. Birthday boy, Chuck Freebie. So there you have it. Should we walk down this list here? You want to start with baseball? Uh, we can start with baseball. Cubs are playing better. Of course, it helps when you're playing the Miami Marlins, who aren't very good, and the Marlins are trying to take care of that. 
the Cubs go in there and they get another strong outing from Jose Quintana last night, and they beat the Marlins by a count of four zip, and they've dominated the first two games of the series. And quite frankly, if you're the Cubs, that's what you're supposed to do against a team like the Marlins, whether you're playing them at home or on the road. But maybe this builds their confidence a little bit and uh, gets them ready to to come home, take on Arizona over the weekend, and and have a, a solid weekend, get themselves back into the NL Central chase. Mike Montgomery is supposed to come to South Bend tonight and throw 18 balls. Yeah, originally he was supposed to come last night, but his wife delivered their child yesterday. And hmm. so he stayed back for that, as well he should. And so he'll come. He's going to throw a couple innings tonight. The word we get from the South Bend Cubs is he is supposed to start, but that could change. And then I have also heard that this is the first of two rehab stints that he will make in South Bend. Hmm. They'll wait five days, and then they'll have him throw three innings the next time, see how that goes, and then by then they hope to be able to bring him up to the the big ball club. So while the Cubs continue to uh, rack up wins over a terrible Marlins team, the White Sox are racking up wins over a bad Kansas City team. But... Again, the name Yoan Mankata coming to the fore. He had a couple of home runs last night. Now has five for the season already, 16 RBI. He is the quickest player to get to 16 RBI for the White Sox since. Does the name Joe Creedy ring a bell for you? Joe Creedy was a third baseman for the White Sox. They've had about 100 of them since 1970. And seemed to be the the big star coming up and then kind of fizzled out real quick. They hope the same thing doesn't happen with Yohan Mankata, who's batting 333 on the season. The White Sox have won a couple in a row over Kansas City, so that's got to help. For the Tigers fans, Tigers struggled last night. They have struggled offensively all year. You get the feeling that's going to be the case for this club all season long. And they only got three on the board in regulation last night. Their pitching kept them in it, which their pitching has been keeping them in it all season long. But the bullpen gives up a two-run homer to Starlin Marte, and the Pirates beat the Tigers last night by a count of 5-3. to three. So as we check the standings, Cubs are four back of Milwaukee in the National League Central. That puts them in fourth place right now. In the American League Central, the Tigers a game and a half behind Cleveland. They are at 8-8. Eight and eight. The White Sox are two and a half back at seven and nine. Notre Dame uh, picked up a win yesterday over Northwestern by a count of 6-2. They have a freshman by the name of Jack Ziska, who seems to be swinging the bat better as of late. He had a home run over the weekend. He had four RBI last night in the win over the Cats. But Notre Dame's still struggling at 14-21 and 21 for the year. And they will spend their Easter weekend in the Steel City taking on a miserable pit team. Um, and hopefully winning at least two out of three in that series, uh, possible could sweep, although we've seen nothing from the Irish pitching that would give you that idea yet this year. And then on the high school scene last night, good ball game over on the banks of the Elkhart River as Penn went over and took on Elkhart Central, game originally scheduled to be played Monday. They had to cancel it because of wet grounds. Central's field sits right down by the river, and the drainage isn't always the best. Uh, but the Kingsmen go over there last night. 6-6 ball game going to the seventh inning, and then the Blazers wind up walking in the winning run in RBI by Brock Boynton. And the Kingsmen win it by a count of 8-6. Penn now 7-2 and on the high school baseball season. They've dropped out of the top 10. 
or excuse me, I'm sorry, I believe they're ranked number four in baseball. I could be confusing Penn baseball and Penn softball. But anyway, they're 7-2 and two on the year, I can tell you that much. And as you take a look at that NIC race, they're going to be the favorites. But another baseball team on the high school level, Corey, to keep an eye on is over at Fairfield. Darren Kaufman's squad is 7-0. and oh. I, I believe they might still be the only undefeated team in the area. Off to a great start in a highly competitive Northeast Corner Conference. Personal question? Yeah. On a scale of 1 to 10, right about now, how much are you missing calling a baseball game? The actual calling of the game, probably a 6. Missing spending my Easter weekend in Pittsburgh, negative (laughs) 4. These are the things that come with the job. And when you're doing the job, you kind of steal yourself okay, this is the way it's going to be. And I I have spent an Easter Sunday in Pittsburgh. And on the way back from Pittsburgh, we stopped at a family's house who had a play, who actually had two players on the team, and they served us Easter dinner, and it was very nice. But that still doesn't take the place of being with my family on Easter Sunday. So this is the first time you've been with your family in years? No, because there were times... If you're playing certain schools, they'll agree to play Thursday, Friday, Saturday so that you can be home for Easter. Yeah. I do not understand why Pittsburgh is not one of those schools. Because they don't believe in baby Jesus. Well, that's funny (laughs) because they're Catholic like Notre Dame is. (laughs) Columbus Blue Jackets finish off the most surprising sweep in the NHL since Nashville eliminated Chicago in the first round a few years ago. And the Blue Jackets take out the NHL's team with the best record during the regular season, Tampa Bay. And quite frankly, none of these games were that close. Take that back. Blue Jackets rallied from a three-goal deficit in game one, got that win, and then the rest were not close. Columbus wins it last night by a count of 7-3. to three. So they move on in the playoffs, as do the New York Islanders, who sweep out the Pittsburgh Penguins. 3-1 final last night. So... A couple surprises early on. Pittsburgh, one of those teams that you perennially expect to see, at least in the conference finals. And then Tampa Bay coming off that great year. So the NHL continues to probably be the most unpredictable of all the four major sports when it comes to the playoffs. As for basketball last night, Portland continues to hold home court advantage against Oklahoma City. They beat the Thunder 114-94. C.J. McCollum with 33 points. Denver picked up a win last night. Toronto picked up a win. So that Denver-San Antonio series, which I expect to be very close throughout, tied 1-1. And uh, the Spurs could have easily won both of those games at Denver. Meanwhile, the Toronto Raptors... Even their series with Orlando won one, and I think people are surprised that the Magic actually won one north of the border. Now the series goes down to the Magic Kingdom. Basketball question. On this episode, Wednesday, April the 17th, want to take a stab or a guess at where Zion Williamson will land? Well, if you look at the teams in the draft order, one would think either Phoenix, Cleveland, or Chicago. Now, the NBA draft, a little bit like the NHL draft, you get a certain number of ping-pong balls depending on where you're slated. Mm -hmm. So anybody who did not make the playoffs is eligible in the draft lottery. 
The Knicks are another horrible team. He could wind up there. Um, those four would probably be the favorite. I think if the if the league had its way, Zion would either wind up in New York or Chicago. Okay. I put Chicago down. Because the league obviously would want those big city teams to get better in a hurry. Okay. On another morning show you and I are on, we watched Muffet McGraw on CBS News. They brought her in to talk about her comments made during the national championship uh, during one of the, the press conferences. She had uh, the banquet last night with her players. Right. The players, and, and I think I'm going to guess what happens here. I, I can't verify this for certain, but I'm going to guess what happens here. The media who cover the team, I would assume Bob has a vote, uh, probably Anthony Anderson from the South Bend Tribune has a vote, maybe some other people, people from the Observer or whatever. The media voted Enrique Ogumbo-Wale the MVP of this team. Easy to understand why. She's the leading scorer on the team, the leading scorer in Notre Dame history. My guess is that the players get word of that vote, and then they vote for their MVP. And they voted for Jackie Young and Brianna Turner as co-MVPs. I would only say this. Anybody who doesn't think that the all-time leading scorer in Notre Dame women's basketball history is not the MVP of that team is not paying attention. Jackie Young obviously was the number one draft pick as a terrific player. Was she the actually the MVP of that team? And I think in all honesty, if we look at this team in the big picture, you can't necessarily say there's one person who is the MVP. Each player on this team had a role, and without that role, the team would not have been as good as it was. So if you if you take Brianna Turner off the floor, and we saw this at times in the NCAA tournament, the defense of this team declines dramatically. So you can certainly make a case for her. Mm-hmm. Jackie Young, until the NCAA Finals, when she didn't really play all that well, Jackie Young, for most of the season, was kind of the the glue part to the offense. She, You took her off the floor, the offense didn't function as well. But certainly, you take Arike out of the lineup, and the points that she puts up there, there's going to be a diminishment. And you could make a case for Jessica Shepard as well with her passing and rebound. Each player on that team served a specific role and purpose, Mabry the three-point shooter. So the absence of any one of them changes the complexion of that team. Picking an MVP, kind of a waste of time on that team, if you ask me. What do you know about Desiree Walker from UNC? Uh, I know she hasn't played that much in the last couple of years. Uh, Whether that was just due to the injuries or a falling out with Sylvia Hatchell, uh, their head coach down there, who is still under investigation by that university. Whatever the case, uh, I'm not surprised that people are leaving the North Carolina program. Mm -hmm. And so there are some talented players. Louisville got a couple of transfers from Georgia Tech that I know Notre Dame had some interest in. So it is that time of year where players are going to swap out. Now, whether they will be able to gain that year of eligibility right away like Jessica Shepard did, 
I don't know. You're going to have to show hardship. Well, hardship can be shown in a lot of ways. In the case of Georgia Tech, is the coaching change that there and the investigation that went on, is that enough of a hardship to show? In the case of North Carolina, is this investigation and what comes out of it, will that be enough to show hardship? If it is, then these players will be able to play right away. If not, they're going to have to wait a year. Do you remember a time back in the day when Aaron Rodgers was the highest paid NFL player? I know who the highest paid NFL player is at this moment in time, and it's Russell Wilson of the Seattle Seahawks, which I find intriguing. Go on. Well, is the NFL, and and really you could ask this about a lot of professional sports leagues, but for instance in the NFL, why wouldn't Tom Brady be the highest paid player in the NFL? I mean, based on results and based on what he has done in his career and the fact that he is still very effective, mm-hmm. why wouldn't Tom Brady be the highest paid player yeah, in the NFL? A year by year kind of contract yeah. where just a stack of cash. When when you look at his accomplishments stacked up against a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Brady's accomplishments dwarf them. And I'm not necessarily the biggest Tom Brady fan. I think that mainly has to do with the way Patriot fans comport themselves. Mm -hmm. However, you cannot look at this objectively and say, well, yeah, Russell Wilson deserves to be paid more than Tom Brady. But such is life in the National Football League. Nobody ever said anything was fair. I see uh, Zach Miller's done with the Bears. Zach, Zach Miller, yeah, calls it a career, which, I mean, physically he has not really been able to do that much ever since that uh, that catch down there in New Orleans, which wasn't even ruled a catch right. where he got racked up. Uh, so he calls it a retirement. Uh, just a a guy that seemed like he was a really strong influence inside the locker room when he was healthy and gave them effective weapon when he was healthy too. But the NFL, I mean, that's the thing. When you look at these NFL contracts, remember, folks, okay, Russell Wilson has a four-year, $120 million contract or whatever it is. 140. 140. So $35 million a year. $65 million signing bonus. That's the guaranteed part. Anything else is not guaranteed. So if Russell Wilson goes out and racks up his knee tomorrow, he's probably not getting that four years. He's probably not getting that 160 He will have the $65 million signing bonus. We will not have to hold a telethon for him, <laughs> as we're fond of saying. However, the thing about NFL contracts, they're not like baseball contracts. Baseball contracts, when you see figures put out there, that money is usually guaranteed. Not the same in the NFL. Overnight trending, hashtag three albums I'd take on a desert island. Because apparently you have a cassette player or a CD player or something that is working. Three albums. On the desert island. On the desert island. You and Wilson on a hot summer day. Three albums. Well, there's going to be a uh, there's going to be a John Cougar album. Going to be a Boston album. Probably the first one. Uh yeah. Oh yeah. The one with more than a feeling. And yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, can I get one of those KTELs that has like the, All the hits. greatest hits variety pack? Yeah, I realize that's what cheating. Year? What year? Well, get that, but what year would you? How have? about we say 1985? Because this has been a uh, a pretty good year for music. And as we get towards the end of our show today, and we pick our favorite songs from 1985, mm-hmm. it was difficult for me. I imagine it has to be painfully difficult for you. It wasn't until you pointed that out. Because <laughs> I had one swimming around. Well, first, and, let's let's answer the album question with you. I don't want to go too ADD for the listener. Yeah. Uh, Van Halen 1, Van Halen's first record. Okay. U2, Joshua Tree, Metallica, the Black Album. Those three, I'll be fine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cassette. <laughs> well, of course. <laughs> So you said a KTEL record, Boston, and Mellencamp. Mellencamp. Uh, do you go greatest hits, or do you go like yeah, a specific record? Yeah, let's go Mellencamp's greatest hits. Okay. All right. Uh, 1985, sophomore year in high school at Lakeshore High School. A very pivotal year for one young Corey Manhattan. Very pivotal year. Why? Um, Started to drive. Started to DJ dances at the high school. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, started to go to Pebblewood Country Club on Sunday nights with all the other local high schools. That was their big teen dance, uh, Pebblewood, where I would end up uh, having the reception of my wedding in uh, 1994. Um, so the number one, the moment before you tweeted me about it being a hard uh, decision, I was going to go tears for fears. Everybody wants to rule the world. I, and I know that's a favorite of yours. Absolute favorite. But then when you said this is going to be a hard one, I Googled quickly 1985 songs just to glance at them. And uh, I'm also a huge advocate for... um, Brian Adams? Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds, which is connected to, in my opinion, one of the greatest teenage movies of all time, Breakfast Club. But 1985 was also the year uh, I was in church youth group, and Kim Fester was graduating from Coloma High School. She was in our youth group. She had uh, a younger sister and a younger, younger brother that I ran with. And at her graduation party, there was a handful of us in her bedroom. And she said, and she listened to uh, what I would consider punk rock at mm-hmm. the time. And she started uh, pulling out some some records that I would still to this day say that I love to listen to. But she pulled out one particular one. And she said, have you ever heard of this band? No, I haven't. Tell me more about this. I'm going to have to go 1985, U2, and the song Bad. Because when I saw them perform this at Live Aid that summer, that was also a game changer. So I'm going to go with this one. This was the last song of their little set that they did. And this song is about eight minutes long. And it's one of those starts slow, gets real big. Yeah. But just the way they commanded the crowd that day. I was I was in. I've been a I've been a fan since '85. So a U2 fan, U2 fan. I'm gonna go bad for 1985. Chuck well, Friedman. if I were, I boiled it down to two. Okay. Okay. As you know, and, and as we've already discussed with my album selection, I'm a fan of Mr. John Cougar Mellencamp. Mm-hmm. And in '85, he came out with one that I think is as I lived and breathed. In Elkhart, Indiana, and you living and breathing in Stevensville, Michigan, you 
certainly probably hear things in this song that apply to you too. Oh. Yeah, this is us. And and doesn't this hit with every Midwestern small town kid? Dude, I would put up an argument. I think you should have Scarecrow on the desert island. Yeah. Scarecrow is a great. Oh, it's a tremendous album. record. Yeah. So there's this sitting here, but I realize I've also gone with Mellencamp, I think, in maybe three of the years of the 80s here. It's okay. Which there's nothing wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. If, if you were to say, oh, you're playing too much Mellencamp, I would come back and say, all right. Fire in the Canadian. Run to you by Brian Adams. Just listening to this yesterday out walking, that is one clean guitar. Yes. Uh. And it just draws you in. And then with his little breathy voice here. That That whole record. I, I'm not wild about the lyrics. I'm not wild about the fact that he's cheating. Uh, but the the just the drive and the passion in the song, mm-hmm. uh, kind of similar to how I felt in '85. Freshman when year I could at still run. Well, no, junior year at Notre Dame. When I could still <laughs> run. <laughs> Perhaps the Maniacs can help us out with this. Would love to hear from you what your song from 1985 was. Mm. And why? At Sports Yak with two Ks on Twitter. That seems to be the communicado for most of our fans, all six of them. And uh, we're on Facebook. We're on the Instagram with two Ks as well. Enjoy your Good Friday and Easter weekends. Yeah, we'll be back on Monday with episode 86. Oh, man. Just... Oh, we could stay in the 80s musically. <laughs> I'm just, I'm actually looking forward to that right there. Until next time, sports fans. Ooga looga. This is the Sports Yet Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.